Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 157, episode one of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. We just we crack it open with the chainsaw that you can hear behind you. Uh, it's Monday, October 26, 2020. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Hey, Miles, did you hear about this one? Lead poisoning made people kill. What about this coal gas study, yeah, Miles? How about that one? Can you believe I've had four Mountain Dews? Four Mountain Dews. If you're ready, let's get this show on the road. Now five Mountain Dews. Ah, that is courtesy <laughs> of... I don't know. who. That's courtesy of the Discord. No, Miles, Killer Clowns from Outer Sky. Oh, Killer Clowns from Outer Sky. Uh, shout out to you. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. I want to talk right now. I'm Miles Gray and I came to smoke down. I am internationally known. The Valley to Japan I roam. I scope Air Jordans, Mason Margella. Stay away from me. New Balance era. I'm ahead. And okay, anyway, this thing goes on and on. Uh, if you really want to know. Woo! It takes three to make the dailies eye. Um, That is Damn. a fantastic one. Again, Killer Clowns from Outer Sky on the Discord. But Who also, is this Killer Clowns shout out who has to- emerged from Outer Sky? Dude, Killer Clowns is also shouting out uh, Bino by the Barrel for inspiring this AKA. It looks, again, group efforts happening on the Discord to come up with these just ego-stroking works of art. So shout you out to You were in the pocket thing. there, man. I was, I was kind of wishing to... you were going to keep going. Yeah, well, you know, Rob Bass says there's something about him. He gets into my mm. bones. Uh, well, Miles, it's election time. We're getting yep. right into this shit right now. So let's tell the people what we're talking about today. Uh, We're going to talk about that debate at the end of last week, uh, specifically the fracking portion that sums up just how out of touch uh, both Donald Trump and Joe Biden are. I'm going to check in with a Peggy Noonan column, uh, which I like to do every once in a while just to make myself feel terrible. Uh, We're going to talk about undecideds uh, and how they responded to the debate. Uh, We are going to talk about uh, those Florida poll watchers, the armed men who showed up to, you know, intimidate people slash make sure the the libs weren't cheating, who said they were hired by one Donald J. Trump, the president Mm. of these United States. Uh, We are going to talk about Havana syndrome is back, baby. That story that has been a a staple of this podcast. Uh, I had always thought that it was a mass hysteria event, and I'm starting to doubt. I'm starting to change my opinion, possibly. All of that, we might get into some uh, Biden merch. The the shitty merch war is on and popping in the 2020 election. All of that, plenty more. Uh, But first, we'd like to introduce our guest, she is the talented, the brilliant Bushra Bernie. Hey, hey, you guys. Hi, Jack. Hey, hey. How are you guys doing? We're great. Good. We're thrilled to have you. Welcome, yeah. welcome. Thank you. How are things? How are things? What's new in, oh, in your, your neck of the woods? Things are interesting. You know, uh, whenever mm. anybody asks like how I'm doing, it's like, do I say like I'm okay or hanging by a I thread? Know. You know, it's like one or the other, but um, 
I just did that. That's why we like, what's new? (laughs) Because I think we've all accepted a certain level of nihilism and sadness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just did a run of like uh, live Zoom shows for my one person show uh, live from my apartment. So uh, that's been a lot of fun. Um, I I had my director, who's been a guest on your podcast, Zahra Nurbaksh. So, you know, she's been directing me over Zoom. So that just, that run just ended uh, the past week. So that's been a lot of fun. A lot of like, I've had to keep my apartment clean for a whole week. Uh, because <laughs> I've had people like looking into my life. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun or yeah. So that's been, that's where I'm at. Just kind of doing live theater from my apartment. Yeah. What is that like doing a one person show over zoom? And when you said you have to keep your apartment clean, are you taking the computer with you around? Like, so you're like, Oh shit. Okay. This ch- scene is changing. I got to get the kitchen now. Uh, yeah, what's like, yeah. how, how, what's that been like? Oh, it's been it's been interesting. I've been using my laptop camera and also my iPhone camera on a tripod. So my laptop camera is like my cubicle in the in the show, and then my iPod camera travels with me throughout my apartment. I even have a scene on my balcony where I'm kind of shouting into it, and hopefully, unfortunately, no neighbors have complained so far. Uh, and uh, so that's been really interesting, and it's just been one of those like, you know, when you're on stage, you have like the suspension of disbelief. But when I was doing stuff in my apartment, I was like, it feels weird to just hold a pretend nothing when I was yeah. like, I have my whole kitchen here. So let me make <laughs> right, right, the coffee right. I talk about. So it's been a really interesting experience, but I'm also performing to avoid. Uh, so we've been having people like be active in the chats and Zoom. So it makes me, uh, you know, just it makes me conscious of like having an audience out there. So, right. yeah, so that's been a lot of fun. That's a really good point. I mean, that that's something that we're we've kind of been experiencing for the past, you know, pandemic. Uh, just like you know, we're screaming, we're trying to be energetic and perform to these people. You know, I'm in my garage right now, next to next to <laughs> right. my washing machine. I, I feel like, yeah, Miles, you got you got a hanger behind you. Uh, I got a bunch of clothing. You know, I'm that's, yeah. that, that's just my process, though, to get really in character as the podcast host. <laughs> to look like a man who lives in his childhood bedroom. I'm going to set know. up some fake studio glass and make my uh, kids sit behind it just to. <laughs> just with headphones on yeah. that aren't plugged in, be like yeah. giving you the thumbs up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> levels are good. Levels are good. Give me the stretch it out, son. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we like to ask our guest, Bushra, what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are? Well, lately, I've been doing a lot of searching on like non-alcoholic beer. Like, uh, I don't drink alcohol at all. Uh, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I was on this restaurant menu, and they had this whole mocktail menu. And then I started going. I did this rabbit hole deep dive of like looking into mocktails and non-alcoholic beer, non-alcoholic gin. And I'm and I just now my search history and my Instagram. It's all ads of like here's all this other non-alcoholic <laughs> stuff. And right. the, the problem is like. I want to try this, but I have no frame of reference of what any of this stuff is supposed to taste like. <laughs> right, right. right. Non-alcoholic gin is not something I had ever heard of. That is... That's uh, actually just the uh, the old water in a flower vase that they yeah, just filter right. out. Yeah. yeah. That's... Uh, gin is one of the worst tastes out there. Just See, like, in, did you try it? No. The non-alcoholic gin? No, I haven't. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if I should, but I feel like I should have a control group set up of people who know what this stuff is supposed to taste like. Right. Yeah. So if yeah. I go like, oh my God, you guys drink this stuff? I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no, it's not, it's not how it's supposed <laughs> to taste. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
That's have you what have, what have you what sort of have you experimented have you bought a, like a non-alcoholic beer is there any sort of mocktail thing that you found yourself liking or something that because i know some mocktails are just sort of like less sweet sort of combinations mm-hmm. of flavors and then like be, non-alcoholic beer just mimicking beer have you found yourself you know enjoying when any of these well i tried one once forever ago um it was like this brand called bavaria and it was kind of awful and i did like this accusa- accusatory thing to my friend i'm like i can't believe you guys drink this she's like no 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 right. this tastes nothing like what it's supposed to taste like but i keep on seeing all these brands pop up now and i am interested i like working with drinks like i, I make my own coffee and i have my own coffee drink that i've created so I, oh. I was like i think i could have fun with this you know just so maybe i'll have my own underground pop-up bar once you know i've got time and just start mixing mocktail drinks uh, I don't yeah. know how that will work, but uh, but you know, just just something. It just seems like a lot of fun, and I could just really spend some time working on. What's what's your coffee drink? I like you know, I love coffee. I, the Jack does too. Mm. We're very pro caffeine, uh-huh. uh, uh-huh. while ignoring possible caffeine addictions, uh, which mm. is the great uh, trick the caffeine industry <laughs> plays on people. But um, what what's your sort of what's what's your drink? What's the what's your trademark? So um, in a cocktail shaker, I put in ice, milk, uh, simple syrup unsweetened cocoa powder, a double shot of espresso, and a dash of pink Himalayan salt and shake that up. Whoa, that sounds amazing. So I actually made that in my show. So I would show people how to how to make that um, just part of my show. Um, And you're making espresso too? Yeah, I have my espresso machine. And yeah, I was all prepared when COVID happened. I was like, I have my coffee set up. You're like, I don't need shit. I don't need anything. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. That sounds amazing. I the the cocktail shaker is an underrated tool like even if you don't drink I don't drink and like but I still will fuck with a cocktail shaker put put ice in put whatever liquid I want to get cold and just man the thing it, it really gets mm-hmm. the job done it's a lot I of always, dilution though a lot of dilution in there uh, sometimes I think if you take it out the right pros, away the pros the pros stir, well I, yeah I, I think it's my like when I was on a I went on a journey of trying to make the perfect martini and like got yelled at from three different bartenders when I would ask them like what do you do like no you fucking stir it or it's just gonna be watered down and other people like give it a quick shake but I guess to each their own yeah. wait so they're saying the cocktail shaker like melts it too quickly well, the, your, the ice will break apart. You're going to get smaller fragments of pieces of ice that will dilute the drink further. Versus Got if it. you're just spit, mm. if you're just stirring, then you're just mixing it around. Either way, I, I, you know, I, I wish I cared enough to say one was better than the other. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I was like, all right, so here's my invention. I'm going to make a <laughs> thing that makes drinks cold as quick as microwaves make things hot, and. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, the cocktail shaker already does that. It's it yeah. exists and it costs like two dollars, right? Uh, yeah. Or what's that one trick with like salt and ice in a bowl and shit? Yeah, uh, that that's too too much like a science experiment for yeah. me. No, I think it's true. I just think that I'm uh, dumb and uh, have rather not violently chosen shake to something. Investigate. Yeah, I'd rather do the shake because I like cold. I like putting it over my shoulder and uh, not making eye contact with whoever's around, just like a bar- sure. bartender, and, and, you know, looking and then drinking off. a completely flat soda at the end. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what is something you think is underrated, Bushra? So recently I've been like thinking about the movie Bottle Rocket. It's Wes Anderson's first 
directorial debut after from his short film. And I was just thinking, well, this is like an underrated film. And I don't know why we don't talk about it more. It's just something amazing. And it's my favorite movie of his. So I like, that's my, my underrated wow. pick. Wow. Wow. And that's your, wow. Is, is that an Owen Wilson oh. reference too? Cause that put them wow. on, didn't that put the Wilson brothers on the yeah, map too? That was... Well, it, it flopped when it came out and I was reading that Owen Wilson was about to join the Marines because it just did bad. And, uh, and cause he already had the haircut in the yeah, movie. Yeah. 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 Oh, right. <laughs> he does look yeah, like a Marine. Tight. Yeah. That has some of my favorite lines. <laughs> the line about water sports that he says to his, uh, little sister. When, when he's talking about like what it felt like when he lost his mind uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. is one of my favorites. Yeah, Bottle Rocket's good. I don't think I saw that. Um, is, it, is, it, is it very aggressively Wes Anderson, like hyper-symmetrical? It's the least aggressively Wes Anderson of the Wes Anderson Oh, movies. interesting. Like okay. it doesn't have like just that uh, hermetically sealed aesthetic where you <laughs> feel like you're watching like uh, somebody play with toys. Play with dolls. Um, it it definitely it feels like it takes place in the real world, um, and the characters are a little bit more like realistic and lived in, and he cares more about the characters. <laughs> like you could tell uh, back then before they were. I don't know. I I still like his movies. I really liked the Hotel one, but I I do prefer the movies back when Owen Wilson was his writing partner. Wait, he was the writing partner too. See, yeah, I don't know yeah. Shit he about co-wrote you. that. He co-wrote Rushmore, them, right? Bottle Rocket, and Royal Tenenbaums, and like those those are my three favorite of their movies. And then like he stopped co-writing on uh, Life Aquatic and the Train one. And I was like, those. those I, I, was <laughs> I like how feeling. you begin. After a certain point, you're like the water one, train, <laughs> train one, one, hotel, hotel movie, one. fox guy, yeah. dog <laughs> people. But you say that, and I know exactly what movie you're referring right. to. Yeah, so. right, right. It's all yeah. Weird. yeah. What, what for you, Busher? What's so underrated in terms of like you know? It's what 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 am I missing? Like what what why do I need to put my eye upon this again? You know, I don't know. It's it's just one of those films that. You know, it didn't do well when it came out and something I discovered later. And then I watched it a few times and just got obsessed with it. And like the lines just come back to me and just it feels just like these random characters just get together and just uh, trying to do something with their lives. And, you know, there's just memorable characters once you watch it. But I feel like you have to give it a couple of times. But I have like mm-hmm. this. And uh, the reason I brought it up was um, I, I bring it up in my show in, in my one person show, The Goofy Paradox, when I go on medical leave and I was like, yeah, I could dive into the Bottle Rocket Blu-ray Criterion Collection edition. And, you know, it's just like, it's just this random movie to have a Blu-ray Criterion Collection edition of. So right. it's just been top of mind lately. The line I was talking about is, is Luke Wilson. She's asking like what happened because he's just coming out of uh, being in a mental institution. He says, one morning over at Elizabeth's beach house, she asked me if I'd rather go water skiing or lay out. And I realized that not only did I not want to answer that question, but I never wanted to answer another water sports question or see any of these people again for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, that really got me. Have you ever watched a Wes Anderson film and then like been so disappointed with where, with where you live? <laughs> Just you know the version oh, of reality. Yeah, yeah, like where I've I've con- I remember like after Royal Tenenbaums, I was like, "Yo, that's the wave." And then I like looked at my apartment. I was like, "All right, that ain't happening." But uh, damn, like for a second, like you feel it. I don't know, like, and I know people who have fully—I won't say names, but they know who they are. 
whose homes are like fully, they had no imagination. Like, I'm just going to do Wes Anderson. My house is a Wes Anderson movie. Uh, Be careful where you step. There are little Dalmatian mice skittering around. Uh, You have to be very careful. (laughs) Yeah, no, I've always said, I feel like Wes Anderson movies take place in a universe that is like fully inside the mind of a child who is reading children's books. Like it's, they Mm -hmm. all have Mm -hmm. like a children's book aesthetic, which is one of my favorite aesthetics. Like, yeah, I I love children's like illustrated books and like he seems so heavily influenced by those. And like there are little nods to that, like in uh the moon one, <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom. <laughs> the Boy uh, Scout one. <laughs> the Boy Scout one, where like yeah, he nods to that. But yeah, I I do I do enjoy his his pictures. I think there's one coming out that got delayed, like all movies. What is something you think is overrated, Busher? I don't know if this is controversial. I'm going to go with Peloton. Um, Mm. I just, uh, I just, I I can't believe how expensive it is. And uh, I just, and people buy it and, you know, good for them that they can drop a couple of grand. That's totally okay. That's totally cool that they can do that. But I got an elliptical and it was 10% of the price. And I just can't get over how much that thing costs and that people use it. And then they pay a membership on top of that. And it just seems like so much money. And yeah, uh, yeah, to, to stay fit. They'll have somebody whisper in your ear, yeah, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Go go yeah, faster yeah, now. Yeah. I, like, I, I can sell my voice for like 10 bucks a month. Do right. that. Yeah, I have my own Peloton. It's free weights and Fox News. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I just get, I get, I, put, I get in, I get dirty with that shit. Just be like, ah, I gotta get my body strong for these fucking ghouls. But yeah, the Peloton thing, it's just become like half class marker, half like, I, especially in the pandemic, it felt like people just the, that was the way to sort of capture the outside world for people and exercise at the same time. I just can't. It, the workouts just seem way too intense for me that it looks like something I want to do. You know, like every time I watch people like, come on, like it's it's just very intense. It's a great workout. And I'm like sort of like, I'm, I like to work out, but I'm not that serious about my health. So I'll do something with a little. Yes. Little less like intense sweating. I've never like needed people to yell at me to make me work hard because like my my issue is I always like work too hard and end up like making myself throw up. So like whenever someone's yelling at me, I'm like, yes, you're right. I do suck. (laughs) (laughs) Let me prove my worth to you, sir. Please, Uh, I'll do better on this hill. Yeah. So like that that shit like does not appeal to me very much but like i know people who are like you know will pay somebody to be mean to them and be like i don't need you to be nice man i need you to like yell at me and uh you know i don't need you to be nice i need you to remind me of my dad <laughs> all right, right let's go that's right yeah. oh that's that's that should be an app right yeah right <laughs> dad app yeah. yeah yeah rather than like yeah exactly People are wasting all their money for cameos when really they just need video clips of someone that could have just been their dad telling them something. Is what was your like uh, fitness routine? Did you get an elliptical in the pandemic? Like what was what, what like? Did you were you at a, a crossroads where you're like, wow, what's a Peloton? And then you're like, wow, that's a lot of money. Never mind. Right. Yeah, I had I had a pretty good gym regimen before everything went down, and so you know I I did a lot of weightlifting, and you know I, I missed all that and. Everything flew off the shelves like there were no like adjustable dumbbells, but I got myself like uh, weighted resistance bands 
And and then I got an elliptical because I wasn't going outside anymore. Right. So even just like right. the regular walking you do every day of going to your car and going to work, you know, going up the steps, like none of that was happening. So that's why I got the elliptical. Although I almost gave up on the elliptical halfway through assembling it. I was like, I don't know if this is worth it. I don't know if I could do this. I just, I'm just going to give up now. Uh, but I got through it and elliptical is really nice. But, you know, I got the resistance bands and elliptical and I just canceled my gym membership because this is all I need. And yeah. so you've been able to, during quarantine, like maintain some semblance of like physical health. I personally am in the worst shape of my life, like post quarantine. I think that's okay. You know, I it's some semblance is key. You know yeah, what you said, right. you know, so I've been trying to stay uh, in shape, but there's nothing like chocolate cake right now. <sighs> so, I mean, why deny in in these times, you know, it's just things are bad enough. Like I tried right. to lose a few pounds that I gained. I'm like, why? Yeah. 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 What does it matter for I, what? I have I have found myself in that position of being like. Yeah, like I like I've had some days where I've been able to like stick to like a like eating as a human should, but I'm like less happy. <laughs> I'm like I need I think I need this right now. I think I need to just like eat, you know, just a giant stack of Oreo cookies every once in a while. Yeah. A uh, quick vibe check. Uh Busher, you said you like chocolate cake. What are your feelings on fondant? I have mixed feelings on fondant because mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. I know it's edible. And <laughs> that's always a good it. sign when that's, <laughs> that's the fr- yeah, when that's, that's your the take opening I line. On a, yeah, I know, I know it's, it's edible, edible. <laughs> but <laughs> when that's your opening line on a on a food item, that's amazing. Well, I, I don't think it should be a substitute for actual frosting that I enjoy with the cake because I, you know, whether I eat it or not depends on my mood. But there should be a layer of frosting, and I, I mean, I still remember years ago. This still stuck with me that I was at this birthday party and they had red velvet cake. And instead of the traditional cream cheese frosting, they had fondant. Oh and I'm my like, god! That's not. That's not. You don't do that with red velvet cake. And that was like 15 years ago. And I still yeah. like remember <laughs> still the time. Remember the time. You can't have red velvet without cream cheese frosting. Yeah. No. That should be illegal. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about the presidential election. Did you guys hear about this thing? It's coming up. And we're back. So that that uh, debate, last debate, last presidential debate happened uh, end of last week. The lowest bar ever, Trump cleared. Uh, people were like, you know, after after that first debate, they were like, will he be uh, the equivalent of like a, a blacked out belligerent drunk like he was in the first debate? No, he didn't. Okay, he wins the debate. No, yeah. Was literally what? like the analysis that I was seeing from from people who were either in the center or on the right. Um but the Ooh, one yeah. of the things that was discussed was fracking. And Miles, you were pointing out that that was kind of a a nice little microcosm of uh why this we're uniquely fucked yeah why we're uniquely unenthusiastic uh, yeah. about this just doing like whatever just fucking kick this can down the road and maybe one day people will have equality um so yes fracking the way it was being talked about was you thought the entire fucking election was hinging on this it's come up nearly every debate it's like oh did you hear what he said pennsylvania is here what he said about fracking pennsylvania 
And mm-hmm. I was just like, what, 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 why are we devoting so much time to this? Because I know there are actually bigger issues than that. Obviously, there are environmental issues that go along with fracking, but to devote this much focus to it just seemed odd. And uh, the Daily Beast, they were also like, they just wrote an article just kind of exploring like what fracking means to the voters of Pennsylvania, culturally to Pennsylvania, and looking at poll numbers and things like that, because the way they talked about it, you'd think Pennsylvania is there to be won or lost based on where you stand on fracking. And right. uh, just a, a, a YouGov CBS poll in August showed 52% of Pennsylvanians opposed fracking and 48 approved. And then another poll in August uh, said that while 61% of Pennsylvanians had a favorable favorable view of the natural gas industry, only 32% had a favorable view of the fracking industry compared to 50% who felt it was unfavorable. So at every turn, wow. they're like, okay, like, yeah, it's an issue there, but the way it's like, in terms of a priority for voters, it's not quite the thing that the two candidates seem to believe it is. And there's just this whole thing of like, you know, not attacking industries that employ people, obviously, as a politician, because then those people will see you as an existential threat because you're talking about the very industry that employs people. And that it's been, you know, has been sort of a accepted knowledge, obviously, over the years. But if you don't actually look at the numbers, then you're just going to waste a lot of breath on things. And there are even people who have benefited from fracking. Uh, there's like this guy, Eric Garland, who they interviewed uh, in Allegheny County, who was saying, it's pretty much gotten my family through the late 90s and early 2000s for work. Both my father, brother, and sister worked in the industry for a little while. My dad's still in in the industry on the chemical side. side. But then he pivots by saying, but a lot of people are more environmentally active right now than they were. And it's hard because a lot of times they're either uninformed or misinformed about certain things, and I'm sure it goes both ways. So this person was saying, like, but it's different now because in Pennsylvania, the environmental costs have really sort of come to the forefront of... Uh, like what pe- people's feelings around it are. Uh, and I think, again, I just bring it up because there was this one quote. The reason I, I think it's just so, it just underscores how sort of off they are is that it's this, this is like an issue some consultants told you about matters in this swing state, but you're not looking holistically. You're not looking at all of the Americans who are watching these debates and have very, very pressing questions and concerns about their existence that aren't tied to fracking. And uh, one voter in uh, like a, a county where fracking was huge said, quote, I just feel like there are so many other super important issues they could be talking about, like social justice, the pandemic and voter suppression. Those jump out as important ones. Yeah, <laughs> those jump out as those are those are some ones that I don't know, seem, seem like they might matter. It's always interesting to me like that when people view voters like abstractly, uh, you know, voters who aren't part of like the death cult of uh, the Trump movement, like when they're viewed abstractly, it's like, well, they care about fracking in Pennsylvania. But then like when you talk to them, they're just like, no, like we we're aware of our surroundings. We know that like there there are issues that matter, like environment and stuff like that and social justice like that. I don't know. I I always get told like I'm stupid for saying that like we underestimate people too much but I I do think like the mainstream media in general just underestimates the public too much uh other than yeah. the people who are you know 
in a giant cluster at, at Trump rallies, basically. Yeah. Pennsylvanians also believe that it, this he stands to lose more ground like Oklahoma or Texas than Pennsylvania over fracking. Right. So even Pennsylvania is like, I don't know if that's really the message here. And I think I just you'd wish to in that whole debate, you could have talked about something else. You could have spent, you know, eight minutes, however long the fuck that back and forth was on something like the working class, uh, the invisible unhoused populations that are increasing across the country. Uh, you know, fucking like actual substantive remedies to the systemic racism uh, and xenophobia that we see in this country. But I think this we're, we're we're seeing very clearly what the priorities are, which is like, just get through this, say the magic words, and then we'll see how much of a vision for a brighter tomorrow there is. Yeah. Bush, did you watch the debate? Uh, yeah, I caught it this morning. Uh, and I don't know, man, I just... Yeah. I'm already decided on who I'm going to vote for, so I'm wondering why I put myself through it. But it, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's just one of those clusters that you just got to watch and you can't really look away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I so, know. Do you found yourself being like, "Who is this for?" You're like, "What? Who? Do we? Need, right. Did we need to do this again?" Because all he managed to do was not scream because there was a mute function, and suddenly he's mm-hmm. the victor. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's a little frustrating. And I think, again, just disheartening when you know there are really like major societal issues that should have the attention like of a platform of a debate. Uh, but when your two sort of combatants in the debate ring are just two old guys trying to do like, what about you? What about you sort of tactics? It, it fails to sort of be nourishing to people with like those concerns. And I think unless like debates have a live function of like what's true and what's false, uh, there's just really no point to it. Unless, I mean, unless you like make sure everybody does like a deep dive afterwards, because right. there's just right. so much stuff that's just said and you either believe it or you don't. And we should really just find out what the undecideds are, what, what they care about and why they're undecided in the first place and just focus on those topics. Right. So there's this Peggy Noonan article. She's a Wall Street Journal columnist and like one of the most popular and widely read conservative opinion writers and yeah what one of the lead things she was saying she's like trump won the debate uh not a dazzling win but a win that kept him in the game he succeeded in doing what joe biden didn't have to do if you wanted or needed an excuse an out to vote for mr trump if you wanted an argument that justified your decision in a conversation in the office, he probably gave you what you need, which uh, I don't know what hypothetical workplace she's referring to. I mean, let's play this out, Jack, where you are the person who voted for Trump and I'm your angry coworker who's confronting you. Wait, what the fuck, man? You voted for Trump? Did you see the debate? Yeah, man. Did you see the debate? I mean, he yeah. was like he bare like I'm pretty sure he didn't shit himself. Uh, no, one. wait, but he, what about all the racist stuff, the dog whistling stuff? He said, he said, uh, these children that are being separated at the border are like, he was talking to them as if they were subhuman. Is that how uh, you feel? Who built the cage, Miles? Who built the cage? Oh, uh, so that's, I'm uh, like, this is what the thing, the, the, this statement that she makes, I don't know what excuse does it actually give you? Like just for so for you to just be able to live in your own head, because there's nothing you could say out loud yeah. rhetorically that would be like, yeah, you're right, man. He really was. He really did turn a corner there. He's not the racist, 
uh, just destroyer <laughs> of all things that he's proven himself to be. Well, he did say he was the least racist person in the room. So, right. you know, that, that <laughs> and, means a lot. And it was very theatrical the way he looked out into the audience to make sure there weren't any less racist people out there. But that's... I mean, I, I don't know. It's too dark in here to see all the, the dark-skinned people. But uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure... Like, that's... I, I'm like, what was he fucking talking about in that moment? Anyway, that whole idea that... That's a glimpse into the, the minds of the people who have to yeah. do it is like... I just need an excuse. Please give me an excuse. Please give me an excuse because the racism exactly. is bad. I just need a thing that wasn't so racist and fucked exactly. up and evil. And I can immediately put all that aside because I am only looking for the candidate that is here to uphold and nurture de facto white supremacy uh, and patriarchy in this country. She made a point that uh, in our debate recap i was i was kind of also saying in a different way but she was saying biden too often lapses into government speak like saying things like the public option uh and you know trump she says like smartly kind of tied that to him being in government for 47 years and i do think trump has the thing that i was identifying as something like i wish we had the Democrats had a candidate like Elizabeth Warren or AOC or Bernie Sanders who speaks like a person and not like a politician who just like uses words rather than like having like these like catchphrases and like having to manufacture these ideas and like you see it like formulating in their brain. But then at the end of that paragraph talking about like Mr. Trump's power recovered Thursday night is to speak like normal people so you can understand him without having to translate what he's saying in your head. He appears to have lied a great deal that will be adjudicated in the coming days. So like to your point, Bush, or like the thing about him like lying and like not having a fact checker, like it's just if that is your standard that like he appears to, it's just like who's the better liar? Who's the more convincing liar? Um, and she's like, yeah, he appears to have lied a great deal. That will be adjudicated in the coming days. That has no, that's never a thing that people like sit around and wait for the fact checkers to weigh in. Like they've already made up their mind. So yeah, it's a weird way to determine who, who wins an election. She also points to like this fact that, and I think does like a decent job of putting it into words that like we still think that like he has this magical ability to uh, defy the polls. And she, she says, pull a black swan out of his hat. It's like a, a column where I was like, I get why she is a popular columnist. She does a good job of like describing the moment, what our fears are that like, he's just got this magic that he's going to be able to pull again, where he defies the polls. But then, <laughs> But then the last two paragraphs are unbelievable in like just the dog whistling the size of a foghorn, uh, as Biden put it. She suddenly turns to Kamala Harris and says, for her part, vice presidential nominee Kamala Harris is went on the trail giddy. She's dancing with drum lines and beginning rallies with what's up, Florida. She's throwing her head back and laughing out loud but she's coming across as insubstantial frivolous. When she started to dance in the rain on stage in Jacksonville to Mary J. Blige's work that, it was embarrassing. Apparently, you're not allowed to say these things because she's a woman 
and she's doubling down on giddy because you're not allowed to say them. It's just like she starts like being a bad wow. writer and being racist at the same time. It's just like she ends it with she goes, if you can't imitate gravity, you could at least try for seriousness. I hate the shallowness with which politics is now done. The absolute purility of it. Do you? We're on the losing side. The future is an endless loop of Barack Obama on between two ferns stamping on your face forever. So let me just. So Barack Obama <laughs> and Kamala Harris are responsible uh-huh. for the unseriousness of politics. This mm-hmm. is coming from someone who is on the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal, which is currently repeating the Hunter Biden Pizzagate shit. Yeah, the white uh, just, supremacy journal. She just sung the praises of Trump rallies because uh, she does point to Trump rallies as being like an indicator that he might succeed again. They're lively. They're uh, lively. Yeah, they're lively. Oh, Where rallies. he has made fun of candidates for or of uh, journalists for being disabled and bragged that he could shoot someone and get away with it. And she has a problem with Obama and Kamala. I'm I'm yeah. trying to figure out what they have in common that would make her unable to take them seriously. Um, you love when racists are so bad. Like, like they, racists just don't know how to not be racist. You know, she, she was really holding it together. And then she's like, oh, those black people are just too damn. I don't know. I don't understand Stamping the culture. Stamping on your face forever? What the fuck are you talking about? You Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But yeah, she just like couldn't. Hold it together long enough. Yeah, and and the fact that you know she was able to get that published and just just can say whatever you want about like you know a lot of people just you know hold a lot of respect for Barack Obama, President Barack Obama and and you know Kamala Harris like she represents like who we all want to see you know in office and just that oh we can't say anything it might be racist okay but I'm gonna go ahead and be racist because I don't want to you know conform but it's just insane that these people are just allowed to say whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And the logic is like, oh, and I can't say anything racist because you're going to say it's racist. It's like, right. But she w- won't even say that. She says, apparently, you're not allowed to say these things because she's a woman. What? What? That's, that's what? That's QAnon logic. That is that's QAnon. just all QAnon. Get like, I'm trying to avoid. I'm trying to here. avoid actually talking about the reality of it. And I, and I, and explain things in a way that doesn't make white supremacy an issue or racism an issue so it's going to be like oh it's woke culture and it's women can't attack women rather than me trying to paint uh, a black politician as someone being unserious or right. too jokey right. for for holding office it's embarrassing it really is it's like you couldn't more clearly be the racist women character from the help like that's the vibes she's uh, giving uh. off those characters that movie is ridiculous and like cartoonish and shitty but like that's when you see something like this you're like oh that's not an over-the-top portrayal by bryce dallas howard like that's that that woman exists currently in modern america and has a opinion column yeah, and didn't that movie like rise to the top on netflix when people are trying to learn more about like trying to be more woke it's like Mm -hmm. let's watch the help Yes. Let me learn yeah. and absorb. And oh man, their stories, you know. It's mm-hmm. just, oh, there's so yeah. many other movies you can watch. 
So right. But it's like, well, I don't want to get that uncomfortable by sort of putting a mirror up to my own behavior. So I'm just going to do it at the help level. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to go further into maybe understanding what sort of micro macro aggressions I'm putting out. Just watch the help. That'll help. In Florida, uh, they're having to add police to uh, polling stations because uh, there are armed people at the end of last week going and basically intimidating people. These people are clearly Trump supporters and, in fact, have said that they were hired by the Trump campaign to go, uh, you know, patrol and intimidate voters. You're, you're seeing all sorts of uh, people who are wearing Black Lives Matters t-shirts not being allowed to vote because uh, people claim it's political, but then there are cops who have uh, Trump masks on at polling places. So it's you're seeing the the fuckery is coming in in full effect. And yeah, yeah. And and the problem is like if any other country did this, we'd be like, wow. That country, they're so backwards. Look at their corrupt government. And, you know, we'd probably go and invade them to help them with democracy. Yeah. Uh, but when it happens here, it just seems to just be okay. Like, I, I never yeah. understood, like, why is that okay? Right. It's, it's just that it's the, it's the comfort of Americanness, you know, that allows uh, certain Americans to never have that level of, like, introspection about, like, our country. And just always launch these hollow attacks of like, you always see the memes where they're like, oh my God, in communist countries, everything looks the same. Cut to our like tracked housing neighborhoods and mini malls <laughs> uh -huh. that look, have the exact five fucking bet, Best Buy, Petco and Ross in the same fucking facility. You know, like it's, it. no one's ever actually t taking the moment to be like, well, people starve in those countries. I'm like, yeah, people are starving in the United States as well. You know, 8 million people just suddenly uh, entered poverty like that without any mm -hmm. any sort of uh, willingness of the federal government to do, you know, to help people. And so I think and now everyone's just projecting the same way the federal government treats them onto each other, which is, well, the government doesn't give a fuck about me. Why should I give a fuck about other people? Fuck it. And then it's just, it's, you know, manifesting in all these awful awful ways um but the one thing oh i wanted to also talk about you know on the heels of that peggy noonan article was uh frank luntz the republican pollster he also did a focus group after the debate and you know with what he calls undecided voters and if if you're an undecided voter at this point you are either horrifyingly disengaged uh from the news or you are a coward racist or both. And you can right. tell by the way mm -hmm. these people were responding after the debate. So Frank Luntz, he's like the, you know, he's like the big time conservative pollster. He's been the one saying, he recently said, if Trump wins and the polls are all wrong, polling's done. The industry is going to be fucked uh, if he wins again. Uh, you know, like there, I think there's bigger issues if he wins again. It's not just going to be with the polling industry. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Frank, uh, imagine what so, it'll do. Oh God! Can you imagine? Won't you think I, of? Won't you think of the people, yeah. the poll watchers? I'm not. Yeah. Hey, I'm not selling my boat. I'll tell you that. I ain't selling a boat because of the fucking poll industry going down. <laughs> anyway, so he goes on to speak with some of these undecideds, and you can just tell by the responses that these people are not undecided. They're they're undecided on whether they want to be known as racist or you know completely ignorant, mm. xenophobic, everything that's wrong with America. So after the poll or after the debate. Uh, they say several of the focus group participants said they were more likely to consider voting for Trump after the, the debate, 
quote, I am leaning more toward Trump now. However, <laughs> however, okay, you heard me say I'm leaning more, but this is the thing. I st- quote, I still don't feel like I have good answers on the race issues, and that's a very, very important issue to me in this country right now. That doesn't mm. sound like someone where racial equality is an important issue to them in this country right now, whatever that answer means. Leaning towards Trump, but race is a very important issue to them right now. How? In what sense? Well, maybe he wow. meant white supremacy. Right. Maybe. That could be, yeah. He's like, race well, is important to me. throated because... white supremacist? Right. I, another person said, uh, like, uh, but in the group, a majority of the respondents uh, who are all coming from swing states said Biden had a better character than Trump. Then another person said, ultimately, it's a choice between character and policy. Wow. Mm. I think I think it's I just lowered expectations, like you guys mentioned before. Like, you know, Trump didn't, you know, he was able to be a bit coherent and people just assumed that it meant that he knew what he was talking about. And just like he didn't completely flub everything. So why not, you know, but... I don't know, but people who are undecided, I feel like that they're making a choice of whether or not people like of color, people like who look like me belong here. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, I remember when a difference of opinion of being a Republican or a Democrat was just like, you could still respect each other's differences in opinion. Right. And I, I, don't, I think this day and age, it's either, do you want to be, do you want to like support white supremacy or not is just the main question. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, th- like that is the decision. That's what's happening. Like you, yeah. no matter what you, what Peggy Noonan tells you, what uh, these people are saying, if you support Trump, you're supporting white supremacy. If race is an important issue to you, you cannot categorically yeah. cannot vote for Trump. Like that's just, you're, you can't do it. Um, if you give a fuck about human beings, yes, you cannot vote for mm-hmm. that. For, for for Donald Trump, just in general, fuck it, even animals. You know what I mean? The environment's getting fucked up too. Like, uh, it's it's really and Peggy Noonan. You can tell the way she wrote. If you were looking for a reason, they had it. That's her telling all the people who yeah. are afraid to get completely like you know alienated uh, to be like, that's okay. You can do it. I'll be on your team too. It's okay, I'll talk guys. to you even if you vote for for racism. It's okay. It's okay. And these people and and you can still, even these respondents. Who are like they're leaning more toward Trump now? It's like no, you just, you, ugh, it's it's a sad state of affairs. She spent three paragraphs <laughs> talking about a Donald Trump rally, and then and then accused Kamala Harris and Barack Obama of making politics uh, frivolous and insubstantial, like uh, yeah. that um, unbelievable cognitive dissonance going on. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. It's pretty. It's, scary. it's tough. Yeah, because again, when I when I see this focus group uh, like article, I'm like, see, it, it's there's the invisible racists are still out there. You know what I mean? And I don't know. I'm I'm always just a little bit still very apprehensive of ha- truly unknowing like where this country's at through polling, uh, because mm-hmm, you see mm-hmm. people who are so bending their fucking minds in the wildest ways to try and rationalize how this presidency has is good or worth enduring for a further four years. Uh, and it's, yeah. In her column, Peggy Noonan refers to Trump's ability to pull a victory out or defy the polls or defy common wisdom, defy the mainstream media as like his dark magic that we don't understand. 
No, we understand it. He is the first politician in a long time who's willing to be openly racist in a racist country. Like that is his dark magic that like mm-hmm. he appeals to racists in a racist country. And before people were not openly doing that, like that's, that's what he's doing. Yeah. And like the way he doubled down on like Columbus day, you know, I mean, I, I thought like we as a people, as a country moved past that. And then the statement he released on Columbus day about, yeah, let's celebrate this guy you know, and just like everything he stood for is just like it was like this slap in the face of like, I thought we stopped celebrating that back when I was in elementary school. Uh, but he's just yeah. doubling down on that because that's just his base. Right. Yeah. And that's all. And again, yeah, that's all he can do because it's not it's not going to bring people on the outside in like now he's and that's why it, what's also worrying about like the amount of new registrations the Republicans have also managed to get too because I'm sure there are plenty of disengaged racists they're like, oh, shit, I got to fucking vote this time, too. Because, right. you know, enthusiasm could yeah. be just as big on the right as it is on the left. And I think a lot of people just mean, like, think enthusiasm equals people who are registered Democrats. It's like, uh, no, because let's let's face it, like white supremacy is a foundational touchstone, cornerstone of American culture. And it's, you know, when people are telling you it's the fourth quarter you need to come, you need to lace up and get out there and vote for white supremacy. I'm, there are plenty of people who uh, are willing to do that. What do the political ads to engage racists look like? Um, I'm, I'm curious if, the, if that ever, you know, if, if it's we all, see that in it's our like, markets here in California. I see, well, the, I see a lot of Trump digital ads. Like if I'm, you know, watching trash reality TV, like on TLC.com or something like that, and you get like a mid roll ad, that's I've seen so many political ads, like just watching digital video that has like ads. And his are all like law and order based. It's police being like, you know, I'm the chief of police and Joe Biden, he's going to get all the, the Antifa's in here and it's going to be this uh, chaos. And I'm that's why I'm with Trump, because he's he's with the cops. And it's like just showing, like, yeah. you know, like sort of uprising footage and things like that. So it's just all he's using cops, basically using the binary of cops and unhappy people mm. of color. And you know what to do. Just before the debate started last night, I got a bunch of vote yes on prop 20 ads and the way that they so prop 20 is basically uh trying to repeal criminal justice reforms and you know throw the book at anybody uh who commits crime and the way that this ad worked was using the same dog whistles that the trump administration uses or the same like sort of scare tactics with human trafficking they were like Right now, like California makes it okay for human trafficking. And they had a, they had video of a seven year old child with like like basically like gore makeup on. Like their her like wow. lip was like all fucked up and her eye like she had a black eye and she was like looking at the camera like <laughs> and it was like Jesus. yo, what the fuck? It was some of the just like darkest shit I've ever seen in a political ad. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, you know, that's what they do to. It's the same one with uh, like the dialysis clinics where like you see the ads where the, right, really the, right. the coalition of dialysis centers has paid for because they don't want additional oversight, you know, to like 
make their business mm-hmm. be like humane. And like they've just parading all these people like, they're going to take away my dialysis if you vote for this, please. And you're like, oh my God, I don't yeah. want to do that. And then you read at the end, it's like paid for by the motherfuckers that are getting so rich off of janky dialysis centers. Yes, exactly. Um, it's all about, <laughs> it's actually just making it so it's harder for dialysis centers to infect you when you go there. Right. Um make doctors have to work at dialysis centers rather than like people who they pay like shit and treat like shit. And people are just like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm sick with the renal shit, man. I'm a, I'm an expert in renal issues, dude. Any kidney stuff or my doctor? No, bro. My uncle owns this space, but, uh, I did a fucking sick online class and now I'm running it. And like, yeah, when you really look at how the state of dialysis clinics, I'm sure this is nationwide. You're like, holy shit, man. Like, these people are really spending money to be like, no, we need to keep our care substandard so we can make more yeah. money. It'll be interesting to see how people vote on that, like how much the political ads work. Because, yeah, it's very transparent. It's very straightforward in terms of like a a thing, <laughs> a law that would like there's really only probably 20 people in the county of Los Angeles who would be for like making it easier for dialysis centers to, you know, be dirty and shitty. But like, I I feel like these ads have been so omnipresent. They're going to get some votes. All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and uh, check back in with Havana syndrome. And we're back. And the New York Times recently reported on a story uh, that we've been checking in with. I thought I had my mind made up. For years now. For years. Literally years. We're three years into this motherfucker. Um, (laughs) So when the Trump administration uh, first started, there were accounts of CIA agents and diplomats working in Cuba getting attacked by these like sound weapons they would like get out of bed suddenly a beam of sound would hit them and they would have uh concussions concussion like symptoms and it was was wild story people were like they're using like sci-fi weapons on americans but then like as it went on like the symptoms were so vague and they all overlapped with like symptoms of aging it was like my hearing is worse and my balance is worse and it just had a lot of the hallmarks of mass hysteria the other reason that it had the hallmarks of mass hysteria is the broader context was the trump administration wanted to pull people out of cuba because they wanted to just withdraw and do away with all the all the progress that the Obama administration had made in Cuba. So there's new information that is putting uh, a shred of doubt into my thinking on that that is what, what was happening uh, because they're saying that there have been these attacks throughout the world, including in Russia um, and in China. And I knew that there had been some in China around the same time. Right. I thought it was all part of like a similar, like, uh, once they heard what was happening in Cuba, they were like, Oh shit, maybe the same thing is happening to me. Get in on this. Yeah. But, uh, there's also people who were attacked in Russia 
uh, like they got out of bed in their hotel and suddenly like they had a concussion, even though nothing had happened to them. So now these uh, CIA agents who were attacked are like pointing out that there is a pretty clear theory that you could come to that this is all Russia, that Russia is doing it in Cuba because they don't want American-Cuban relations to improve. Uh, they did it to CIA agents who were undercover in Russia. Um, they did it to people in China uh, because they don't want American-Chinese relations go to go well. And the Trump administration is actually ignoring it everywhere that's not Cuba because the Trump administration, you know, let just does not uh, want to uh, have have negative uh, interactions with Russia w with regards to any any mistreating of American. You know, it, it would be of a piece with, um, you know, the Trump administration ignoring the fact that Vladimir Putin and Russia was putting bounties out on on U.S. soldiers. So you're saying you're moving from the mass hysteria column because before you were firmly, I believe that like when this story first came out, I remember you bringing up a lot of other sort of mass hysteria things that had gone on where yeah. people were all believing yeah. something was going on. And now you are actually being like, all right, maybe it's microwave weapons. Maybe it's microwave weapons from Russia. I don't know. I mean, I'm a, uh -huh. I've always said I'm, I'm a open to like being convinced either way. Uh, sure, sure. I think it's, it's just a super interesting mystery. I think the way that the human mind can create these mass hysterias that are, in fact, like become physical is really fascinating. That's a super interesting subject. It happens all the time. It's more common and more devastating, more powerful than anybody, uh, than people usually give it credit for. But I also think that there's now you know, context that makes it possible that, you know, the reason we only had the Cuba, like, details on the Cuba thing was because the Trump administration is covering for Russia to try and, you know, keep things right uh, quiet wow. because Trump is homies with Putin. I had not heard of this. This is very interesting. Microwave weapons. Wow. Super interesting. I do, I'm just going from pretty firmly in the this is hysteria camp to having one foot that like I'd be perfectly willing to believe that it's hysteria and one foot in the uh it, it would also make sense to me if Trump was covering up for a bunch of Russian attacks because that just seems to be what he does. I mean yeah, he was willing to ignore, you know, bounties on yeah, US straight troops, up so. bounties wow. on US troops. How does that, that's another, yeah. like, the the more uh, distance I have from the final debate, the more I'm like, there's so many things that they could have brought up that I was Biden just thinking, yeah. up. like, he, he didn't bring up the bounties, he didn't bring up fracking, Helsinki, man, fracking. he didn't, yeah, like, they just, Democrats just get themselves, like, they triangulate themselves into a corner where they just, like, think that they have to be you know, delicate and balanced and um, careful about their wording. And it's like, j no, just say the thing you think. Yeah, right. And I think if Biden had brought up microwave weapons in the debate, I think everybody would have been like paying attention. All those undecided, <laughs> like, what? Microwave yeah. what? Yeah. To my mind? So, yeah, it's, it's a lost opportunity right there. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it's just like, yeah, the that's all time wasted on fracking. And it's like so funny how 
they there's all this concern about there's no middle class and da da da. And yet you you know mathematically, if you started talking about things like minimum wage or the working class, you're immediately going from a topic that maybe only affects like the thirty thousand people directly involved with fracking in Pennsylvania to millions of Americans mm -hmm. across the entire country. Cause then you're like, oh well, I don't know what the fuck fracking is. But you start to maybe we can talk a little bit more about this minimum wage and how even fifteen dollars isn't actually a living wage either. And maybe we could talk a little bit more about that because yeah. I don't think there's any person, unless you're such a craven racist, which you're like a Trump supporter, where you're going to be like, I don't want to hear about how minimum wage should be more money so people could actually like raise a family on that. I don't want to hear about that. Like, what the what? Yeah. I remember when my, my mom would say like in the seventies, they would have my, she and my dad would have like these random jobs, like minimum wage, but like you can, they paid their apartment, they got groceries, they were able to, you know, have a family, like all those things that minimum wage used to do. And now it's, it's nothing, it, it, you can't sustain life. So I don't, I don't know right. why you like, people just seem to forget what that used to bring, uh, you know, what that used to mean for a family. It, it, right. it would seem like being the party that cares about people <laughs> and that wants uh the wants the majority of people to have a have a living wage want, like all the people who are being left behind like that they would be the party that wouldn't have to uh carefully choose every word and like use political speak but the democrats i feel like can't get out of their own way a lot of the time i mean like 42% of Americans make under 15 $15 an hour. Yeah. So just what you could you go from a, a wedge issue, a niche niche wedge issue talking about fracking and you start talking mm -hmm. about minimum wage a little bit more talking about hey people I understand the pandemic's hard. I understand you might have a child. You know actually you should probably be making at least $25 an hour if you are a single parent trying to survive right. in a metropolitan area, but you know it's it's all this whatever. I mean, I think that's the, the I think that's because both parties are just so ill-equipped to begin talking about those issues because they all all those roads lead back to the donor class that actually need to be taxed more uh, and need to be earning like making less profit. So it's just always about like, mm, you know let's talk about minimum wage and then we'll just leave it there and then have arguments over like what's what what a relative living wage is based on where you live in the country rather than like addressing the need of Americans to be able to live in a way that their labor is uh, compensated in a, in a, you know, proportional manner, proportionate manner. Yeah. Right. Like they, they haven't raised the minimum wage in 11 years. That's never happened since it was first established in 1938. Congress has never let it go unchanged for so long. Like the, how, how do you not just like be like, yeah, the, this is, this is the problem. We will change yeah. that. This guy hasn't and refuses to and is just focused on the stock market. Uh, well, on that note. <laughs> uh, Come on, just one more week. One more week, everybody. And then we can... And it'll be one more week and it'll be Halloween. Yeah. Uh, and then it'll be four more years, guys. <laughs> just four more years. Holy <sighs> shit. Well, we I don't, don't know. even know Who how knows? long the election will last, right? That could be like one month, and then we'll right. find out, and yeah. maybe not, you know, so. That's a good point. 
Um, as long as we have those pole watchers there, armed with long rifles, just I feel sure. safer already. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bushra, it's been so fun having you uh, on the Daily Zeitgeist. Where can people uh, find you, follow you, check you out? Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun being on this uh, podcast. Yeah, so I'm on bushrabernie.com. Uh, that's my website, B-U-S-H-R-A-B-U-R-N-E-Y.com. And I'm on Instagram, Twitter, uh, more Instagram than Twitter, as Bushra Writer. Uh, that's W-R-I-T-E-R after Bushra on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and so, yeah, I post stuff on there. And hopefully we're going to do another run of shows for the live Zoom virtual uh, show Michael uh, the Kofi paradox in December. We'll see how things settle after the election, and whether you know we're still around. Uh, you know we, we, you know, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and yeah, so but otherwise, I'm I'm gonna probably have a newsletter up on my website. People can just check that out and see when uh, they can expect shows. Awesome. And what's what's your show about? So it's kind of this about this existential crisis that I go down, and uh, it revolves around dessert. It's called the Gulfi Paradox, and Gulfi is this creamy frozen dessert from Pakistan and India. And my mom used to, my mom has this recipe, and I kind of created my own version of the recipe. So it starts off with me trying to figure out this recipe, but then you know I go down this existential crisis of like work is messing me up, and oh, but like is the life I'm leading like is that worth the struggles my parents went through? And so mm-hmm. it's just kind of my journey through all of that. And all right, while I'm prancing around my apartment and well, not prancing, uh, but <laughs> yeah, and I'm making coffee. I'm, I'm, I'm pretending to be different people, uh, a couple different people. And uh, yeah, just uh, my Hobbs, my stuff, the Hobbs uh, doll makes an appearance as well. Um, so uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I don't know why I'm doing it, but I love doing it. It's one of those things like, I don't know why I'm stressing myself out so much to do it. Uh, but it's a lot of fun, and I'm really glad I'm able to get my story out and just kind of honor my parents and, uh, you know, my journey through That's that awesome. kind of uh, show. So, uh, is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Well, you know, Hulu recently posted this thing on Twitter about uh, about the up up uh, the reboot of Animaniacs. Yeah, and I can't wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where, do you know when that's coming out? That's going to be dope. In November. Hell yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so just one more month, guys. Just one more month and all our and our tr- troubles are over. Yeah, uh, yeah. The election, Animaniacs reboot. Um, I think there's a Fraggle Rock reboot coming at you. What? All, all good things. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they're rebooting Fraggles. Miles, where can people find you? What's the tweet you've been enjoying? Oh man, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, yeah, at Miles of Gray. Also, the other podcast, Four Twenty Day Fiance, talking about Ninety Day Fiance. Uh, and a tweet I like comes from Jesus Nice himself. List uh, Mister La Marina in a mesh marina with a fresh misdemeanor and a cool demeanor. Uh, he <laughs> so he quote tweeted this picture from Derek Guy at Die Workwear. And it's a photo of Rudy Giuliani and standing next to somebody. It says, if your lawyer comes in wearing these, you are absolutely going to jail. And it's Rudy Giuliani's shoes. And they look like like 8-bit pixel shoes. Like, they're so blocky. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this. I don't even know where you could purchase a shoe like this, let alone give you the description of what this shoe is. It's like a loafer, chucka, moccasin. Well, I have no fucking clue what's going on here. 
And then Jesus, he tweets with that. He says, man's rocking the Geppetto 11s. (laughs) 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 Geppetto from Pinocchio. These shoes are so absurd. I can't even, the, 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 you have to. I, I'm retweeting it. Just check out my Twitter. It's unbelievable. Uh, yes, fantastic. That's amazing. Uh, some tweets I've been enjoying. At driving me, Maddie tweeted, "Kid, trick or treat me. Did you vote yet, kid? No, I'm eight. Me. Okay. Well, then I ate your Snickers. Get the fuck out. Um, <laughs> I will leave it at that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes. Where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what are we riding out on today? Uh, we are going to go out on a track um, from Madison McFerrin and Fote, uh, who's a great producer. Madison McFerrin is actually Bobby McFerrin's daughter. Uh, and we've done one of her tracks in the past, but this has a little bit more like funky, eclectic, uh, electronic production. And her voice is just super dope. And just like her father, like very good at using the voice as an instrument harmonically and for a little accent. So uh, it's just it's just some some nice things to listen to. It has a little bit of heart and soul to it, and it's called Outre Lux. And I don't know how to speak French, but it's it's spelled O U T R E L U X. Uh, so check that out. That's from Fote and Madison McFerrin. Uh, don't worry, be happy. It's my two-year-old song right now. This is jam. Yeah, um, I, that shit still goes. Oh, oh yeah. You know oh, what? Yeah. When I get off this, I'm gonna be just blowing my my car doors. Woo, uh, all right. Well, The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. We'll talk to you all then. Bye. Man.